0: Hello, Go Chuck Yourself listeners. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Chuck versus the Beard. So I wanted to take a minute to honor some other beards from history and pop culture. So in addition to the beards featured in Chuck, we have, um, let's see, Hagrid. He has a beard. Um, the Whatever the guy in Castaway, I think, I don't know if he has a beard the whole time, but he does grow a beard. Um, Abraham Lincoln, very prominent beard haver. Merlin, Santa mythical creatures, but they did have beards, um, probably one of your neighbors might have a beard, unless you live in somewhere where beards are frowned upon, um, goats, goat, well, male goats, I don't actually know the, the genders of goats that have beards, maybe they all have beards, some cats have beards, um, there's, there's probably a lot more, but, uh, I'm just gonna let us get into the episode, so thank you for listening, as always, please, uh, if you are wanting to get into contact with us, then you can uh, send us an email at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at GoChuckPodcast on Twitter. We are uh, making an effort to put out some good Chuck content every every day, every couple of days. Uh, we're making jokes. If you want to see Chuck jokes, I mean, who doesn't want to see Chuck jokes? Like, hop on there. Give us give us a follow, give us a like, whatever whatever you want to do. So thanks for listening and uh get get ready for Track Versus the Beard part 2.
1: go check yourself listener from wherever you're listening from i hope you i hope you were doing well welcome this is go Chuck yourself this is the podcast where we talk about a television program about a young man who is just living his life working at the buy more in a dead-end retail job and then all of a sudden he meets some spies gets a computer stuck in his head and his life changes forever that's the story of chuck thank you for listening goodbye <laughs> no don't don't leave Leave. Uh, my name is Chris Gillespie. I think that's like the third time that we've done an intro like that.
0: Yeah. Uh Well, it's n- definitely uh, <laughs> a multiple time that we've pleaded with people not to leave us.
1: That's true. It's true. We are. My name is Chris Gillespie. This is my co-host. Her name is Erin Arana. Yes, and we are the the uh, <laughs> the stars of the Go Chuck Yourself show. Here we are. Not the stars a star of Star was Chuck.
0: born, and it was us. If you two, wanted two stars th- were born.
1: Two stars. Is that the sequel to A Star is Born? Two stars are born?
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Is. It,
1: is that where the female lead gives birth to twins after the male guy dies? Yeah. Spoiler alert for Star is Born, I guess. I haven't seen it, but I know that. So <laughs> you should know that, too.
0: Yeah, Um. I guess. Or like she like she uh inspires two subsequent people. She doesn't have to give birth to them. Like she could just inspire twins or just two people. Maybe it's a crossover with Stuck on You, your favorite film.
1: Either way, this sounds like it's a direct to DVD movie, whatever it is. Sounds great. Um, In this episode, we're going to be talking about Chuck versus the Beard. Yes, perhaps that sounds familiar because (laughs) uh, last week, the cast of Chuck reunited over a video call to do a table read of Chuck versus the Beard. And now we are doing our episode of Chuck versus the Beard lots of chuck versus the beard
0: if you didn't watch the reunion or you've forgotten since last week don't worry we will go through the plot in painstaking detail
1: (laughs) painstaking detail and this is a a meaty episode to talk about there's so much (laughs) that happens in this episode uh and it was i mean we we did an episode about the table read we said it approximately 1,500 times during that episode that we really enjoyed the table read. I think that seems to be the popular consensus as well. I don't think anyone has come out and really said anything. We
0: hated the table read.
1: Terrible. What a waste of time. I want my (laughs) money back.
0: I'll never get that hour back.
1: There didn't seem to be any negative feedback about the table read as far as I can tell, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's
0: nice.
1: Continues to... Uh, generate money for feeding America. Also, I think even since we recorded our episode, so yeah. it's just a good thing all around. And so, with with the table read and with everything that was going on surrounding the table read, uh, we uh, the two of us recorded an episode. But we were also, you know, there was a lot going on on social media and all that. So it was a very. I w- would you agree that we were like really we're usually typically immersed in Chuck stuff, but like last week we were heavily. Even, like, more deeper, like, just submerged in the world of Chuck.
0: Yes, one might say we were drowning in Chuck.
1: Right, but a good drowning. It was a positive drowning. It was like, oh, no, I'm having so much fun. This is great. I can't believe this is happening. With that said, it was a lot of Chuck. So after that weekend, there was a little bit of time to, I think I needed a little bit of time to decompress from Chuck. Yeah, we
0: recuperated.
1: Yeah, push it from your your mind a little bit so when you come back, you're feeling more invigorated. Yes. Yes. Uh, as it turned out, the programming that I chose to escape from Chuck ended up not helping me at all because of the plethora of cameos of <laughs> Chuck-related cast members that I saw. Um, I and you, this happened to you to some extent as well.
0: Yes, I'll I'll tack mine on at the end, but f- continue. Please.
1: Okay, so I I'm trying to think in chronological order. Um, I think I was watching Austin Powers. Gold Member, uh, that classic film from two thousand three. <laughs> I did watch the previous Austin power movies before that, and so was doing a, a watch. I'd never seen them before. That's irrelevant. But lo and behold, in a flashback sequence in Austin Powers Gold Member, who is there portraying a young classmate of young Austin Powers and a young Doctor Evil? It's let's say it together, Jesse, Jesse Hyman. Hyman. Like, oh, is Frankie
0: Muniz in there too? Just checking.
1: No, that would be great. They should have yeah. had Frankie Muniz playing Dr. Evil's son, but that was that was Ooh, Seth that, Green instead.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fine.
1: Uh, so, Jesse Hyman's in that, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, so I take a video of it, send it to Aaron. He's really truly in everything, by the way. If you want Jesse Hyman to be a guest on Go Check Yourself, make sure you tweet at both us and Jesse Hyman <laughs> and instruct him to do so. That I'm sure he'll love that. <laughs> that conversation has been open since our previous episode, so... Uh, follow up on that if you want but then after that I was like oh man that's like I'm just trying to forget about Chuck for a little bit just tune out so I put on Curb Your Enthusiasm which I've been binge watching since the quarantine started
0: just like my dad really yeah he's binge watching it
1: you didn't tell me that Um, did I tell you that is this I guess I didn't tell you that (laughs) where oh this is so exciting I'm gonna text your dad all right Cool. Uh, anyhow Watching the season four finale, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I have not seen any character. I don't I could not foresee anyone from Chuck being in this program. And then lo and behold, who plays a like a bellhop in a (laughs) New York hotel, but a very young Zachary Levi He
0: looked excessively young.
1: He looked like almost a teenager. He was he didn't. He was, he was very tan. He was he so like young that he
0: almost didn't really look that nerdy. Like he kind of looked like he mm-hmm. could have like tipped towards playing like a popular high schooler. Mm-hmm. Like he just yeah, had he, like one of those faces.
1: Yes. He he looked pretty, uh, I don't know, athletic. And he was kind of a, a snarky bellhop. Yeah. Acting alongside Larry David trying to get a, a tip. It was a good scene. But I was like, what? How is Zachary <laughs> Levi in this?
0: He's there. And,
1: He's there. And I sent a video to Aaron of that. And then I'm like, that's this is crazy. I got to watch something that will definitely not have any Chuck people in it. <laughs> so we're watching American Pie 2, the classic film. And uh, who is playing a prodigy trombone player? It is once again, Jesse Hyman. At the, one of the many band camps featured in that movie. I just you can't escape them. They're we everywhere. can't escape
0: once once you like invite Chuck into your life like there, he's he's here forever. He and his cast members.
1: But there's people that I'm sure if you I also did. This is not really as relevant, but I, I guess Adam Baldwin narrated a audible original, like a special limited.
0: Oh, audio did you listen to it? Thing.
1: I, I haven't. I downloaded it, but I haven't listened to it yet.
0: That's cool. Uh, what what is it?
1: The audiobook that Adam Baldwin narrates is The Adventures of Tom Stranger Interdimensional Insurance Agent.
0: Oh, that sounds good. It sounds like something he'd be into.
1: Yeah, it's two hours long. It's kind of like the length of a, a movie. It's supposed to be funny.
0: OK, cool. Well, uh, report back. Let us know how it is.
1: I will. And then what was your uh, your cast experience?
0: Oh, um, I was watching the original Spider-Man starring Tobey Maguire, everyone's friend. Yes. And uh, Jesse Hyman is also a classmate of young Peter Parker. <laughs> Um. So and he's he's getting around. He he seems to have gone to school, much like uh, the characters in Twilight. He seems to be going to high school over and over again. <laughs>
1: he just can't escape. Yeah. I wonder if he still gets cast in in high school roles.
0: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. A
1: good question to ask him if yeah. you were on this podcast,
0: <laughs> Jesse. Please come be on our show.
1: We have so many questions. What I don't have questions about is the episode Chuck versus the Beard. As someone who has not only watched the episode recently, but also watched the cast go in through it and read it with the creators explaining extra contextual information. I really don't have any questions about this episode, but let's still discuss it (laughs) anyway. Yeah, let's still discuss
0: it anyway. We will uh, not have the creators excellent insight, but we will have some of our own stupid insight. So get ready for that.
1: (laughs) So you're welcome.
0: So we start with Chuck getting called into Castle for a meeting. We learn that he hasn't flashed since Rafe tried to kill Shaw and Sarah. Shaw says that until Chuck starts flashing again, he's benched. Chuck suggests that he's not flashing because he has all these emotions bottled up inside him and he can't talk to Ellie or Morgan or anyone else about them. Sarah suggests that Chuck talk to her or Shaw or even Casey, but Chuck isn't really feeling that. Sounds like Chuck needs therapy.
1: It does. That actually, I was thinking about that after watching this episode. I was like, you know, I think Chuck would really benefit from a Yeah, and like in the
0: West Wing, like the president and like the president's staff have therapy. So like Chuck could probably get a therapist. There's probably something for like government agents.
1: There has to be. Wait, that's awkward. What is, how does the president have a therapist?
0: He just has a therapist and he talks to him about like what's going on in his life.
1: Oh, it's just hard being the president. The therapist is like, yeah, how does that make you feel? He's like, I don't know, like the president.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more touching than that. And it's written by Aaron Sorkin. So it's said really fast and they're walking at the time. But yeah, pretty oh. much just like that.
1: OK, so after the scene in Castle, we actually have two declassified scenes, which Ooh. were read during the, the table read. I don't know if they were advertised as such. I think they were. At least one of them was. Uh, but we we cut to Chuck and Morgan's apartment the next morning. Chuck is distracted and pours himself a bowl of cereal and starts right, to eat it, this. To, uh, to eat it without milk. Morgan watches this from the kitchen table where he's sitting with the the gallon of milk. He offers it to Chuck. So uh, Chuck comes and s- sits down with him. We learn that Morgan and Chuck were supposed to hang out the night before for old school game night. And that Chuck's Subway meatball marinara sub went cold as well as a piece of Morgan's heart. Morgan also informs us that Handle resigned from the Buy More via text message late the night before.
0: So I remembered that from the table read, but I did not... Um... I did not hear it in this episode, so I thought I must have imagined it. So that's good. Thank you for clearing that up for me.
1: Yes, they they covered Hannah's departure. Yes. Morgan says that he knows that breakups are hard, but that he's here for Chuck. So he asked Chuck to open up to him, but Chuck can't. So Morgan asks if he's Chuck's best friend still. And Chuck says, of course, but he just can't get himself to open up and speak. He just kind of like is frozen and like looks like he's choking on the words that are trying to come out. Oh. Chuck apologizes and says that he wants to tell Morgan, but he just can't. Morgan then storms out and tells Chuck not to be late for work. So So that
0: gives some good context to what comes later.
1: Yeah, it establishes the old school game night and Hannah being fired or Hannah quitting, I guess. And the kind of issues that Morgan's already having with Chuck. Yes. Uh, As Chuck heads out for work, he encounters Casey watering his plants in the courtyard, listening to headphones. Chuck says that he knows that Casey prefers waterboarding over listening to Chuck talk about his feelings. But Casey doesn't actually say anything. So Chuck proceeds to open up about everything that's on his mind. Casey eventually takes his headphones out and says, Neil Diamond at Red Rocks. Classic. And uh, he asks Chuck what he was saying. Chuck says that he's been looking for someone to talk to. Uh, When Casey's phone goes off with a text from Sarah, summoning him to Castle, Casey says that Chuck needs to save his, quote, lady feelings for someone else. He's got work to do.
0: That's not cool, Casey. Men have (laughs) feelings, too. Everyone has feelings. Casey has feelings. We know Casey has feelings. We we know that. God, okay.
1: An episode that we'll be talking about very soon. Very it seems soon. that Casey has a lot of feelings.
0: Casey can keep his toxic masculinity to himself.
1: But he just doesn't. He has never been encouraged to share his feelings That's or true. To get in touch with that That's side. That's because so. of the patriarchy. Yes.
0: Well, all right. I guess I have a new. I see Casey's Casey's outlook on life in a new way.
1: I thought during the table read that I heard them say uh casey says they was listening to neil young at red rocks classic and i was thinking like that seems very out of character i don't think that casey would (laughs) listen to neil young but then i played this scene back and i was like oh he says neil diamond that makes more sense it's more of a a silly joke i guess
0: the words that you're saying to me mean nothing
1: great why don't you continue (laughs) talking about the first act of the episode
0: so chuck does immediately call a doctor but it's devin that he calls Mm. Devin is at a resort in Malibu, which I don't know if you I'm assuming, you know, this I'm assuming a lot of people know this. But maybe I don't I don't think I knew this, but Malibu is very close to L.A. It is like maybe like 30 minutes away. So they're kind of on like a it's not really a staycation, but they're on like a mini vacation. Like they didn't go far. They're just staying at a hotel, which honestly sounds very nice.
1: Yeah, it looks Um, like a nice resort.
0: Yeah. So they're at this resort in Malibu uh, enjoying their alone time. Devin tells Chuck that he took this vacation to get away from Chuck's spy life, and he declines, with all due respect, to help. We cut to the Bymore, where Jeff is trying to fit a whole apple in his mouth. He succeeds, just as Chuck is called over the PA system to Morgan's office for disciplinary action. Chuck is like, what? But if he had seen the declassified scene, then he would have understood the context for why Morgan was calling him in. Morgan confronts Chuck about his secretism of late, and this, in this scene, he reveals that Hannah quit the store, so they kind of, like, tacked that in there so that we know mm-hmm. that that happened uh, after Chuck broke up with her. Morgan asks Chuck to tell him what's going on, and again, Chuck seems like he's about to, but then he chokes once again. Morgan says he has no choice but to fire Chuck, but not from the buy more Chuck is fired as Morgan's best friend. I didn't realize this was an option I had available to me. It really, uh made me think about some of the relationships in my life and whether I should uh, give, give them the old axe.
1: Are going to be laying off friends?
0: I might be laying off some friends. We'll, hey, we'll times see. are tough.
1: I mean, people you know, are making a lot of tough choices. Yeah.
0: We got to cut costs. We got to come compartmentalize. That's not the right word. got to consolidate. Yes, consolidate. Exactly.
1: OK, well, I hope that I'm not laid off. I hope you make I the look- cut. Yeah, I guess so. I look forward to hearing your progress with that. <laughs>
0: So after the credits, we learn what's going on in Spy World. Shaw got intel that the Ring is planning to turn a CIA spy, but they don't know who, and without Chuck to flash, there's no way to find out. Again, it kind of seems like there should be a way other than Chuck to do these kinds of things, because they didn't always have Chuck, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not in charge of the government. All they know is that a spy is staying at a nearby hotel, so Shaw and Sarah pose as newlyweds to see what they can find out the old-fashioned way. Chuck is concerned that this is dangerous since the ring knows Shaw is alive, but Shaw says he'll be fine. Casey tells Chuck that Castle better be exactly as he left it when he gets back, which I really liked. I like that Chuck is kind of like a teenager in charge of the house for the first time. Uh Back at the Bymore, Lester, Jeffrey, and Morgan are eavesdropping on Big Mike's office where he's meeting with some kind of businessmen people. Big Mike comes out and reveals that someone is thinking of buying the store, and they're going to interview all the employees to determine who is an essential employee and who isn't. So, there wasn't my escapism right there. All this talk of essential employees. <laughs> Sarah and Shah are getting set up at the hotel, and we learn it's the same hotel Devin and Ellie are staying at. Or, I, I mean, I think we learned that. I already knew that. That was kind of like the direction we were going in, and also I saw the reunion, so I don't i don't know if we know this at that point, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a hotel. It's probably going to be the same hotel. It is. Uh, a bellhop, not played by Zachary Levi, Tell Sarah and Shaw that they're a beautiful couple. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, do you think the fact that no one has ever told me and my boyfriend that we're a beautiful couple means we're not a beautiful couple? Or do you think that people just like only say that on TV and don't say it in real life?
1: No, it's, I forgot about this until right now, but I was witness to this happening in real life. Oh on my God. Airplane. It was not directed towards me <laughs> or Catherine, but okay. it was directed towards... um I think it was directed towards Andrew and Molly and we we're getting on a flight and I think someone said that they were a beautiful couple. And I think they also got free drinks on that <laughs> flight. It was very bizarre. I was like, oh, so should we just go like throw ourselves off the plane? I guess it was <laughs> people do this, I guess, specifically people who work in those kinds of fields of being a bellhop or a flight attendant. I don't okay. know what that what that category of job is but it happens like every
0: every like 15th like couple that they encounter they have to like there's like a a little rule that they're encouraged to say like you are a beautiful couple it's just statistics it's just a numbers game you and i have been unlucky but we're not ugly couples
1: (laughs) this seems like a good way of uh coping with the fact that we're (laughs) neither of us are in beautiful couples yeah
0: (laughs) so at the buy more the businessmen and their crew are inspecting every inch of the store Main can we crew- can
1: we name the, the businessmen?
0: Oh, do you want to? Because I didn't name them, but
1: I would I would like to name okay, them. Okay, please do. They are well, the actors are Deirdrick Bader and Cedric Yarborough. Yes. And they respectively play the characters of Dell and Neil.
0: Okay, so uh Dell and Neil. Uh, <laughs> not Neil Young or Neil Diamond, but a different Neil.
1: And not a Dell computer. It's this yes. is Dell with just one L. Does Dell still guess exist?
0: Is-, is that still a type of computer?
1: Uh, they, I'm talking to you on one right now.
0: You're on Adele? Yeah. You're on Adele? You're on... not Whoa. Not the singer Adele. You're not Someone on Someone like
1: you. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're rolling in the deep, all right?
0: Yeah, we are. So, yeah. So, they're... Uh, Nell... Nell Neil and Dell are at the I wrote, Bymore.
1: I wrote Nell a hundred times while I was Nell. writing my notes. It's a right. very common, yes. common problem.
0: Yeah. So, they're at the Bymore. Maybe I'll just call them Nell. Collectively, they're Nell. They're at the <laughs> okay, Bymore. Okay, at the Buy more, <laughs> Nell and their crew are inspecting every inch of the store. Our main crew make a blood oath to protect one another in their interviews. Lester is called in first, and immediately he asks for diplomatic immunity in exchange for spilling the Buy More secrets. We also see at this point that Nell are wearing badges for a company called Costless. So I thought that was fun. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: Surely the, the opposite of Buy More yes. is Costless? Cost the, They're kind the of like related. I guess so. Cost less. If yeah. things cost less, then you buy more.
0: Yeah, okay. It's all so coming together. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is a conspiracy, I think. So Chuck tries to talk to Morgan, but Morgan is having a panic attack. Chuck tries to console Morgan, saying he can always get another job. But Morgan makes the very good point that the job market is much tougher if you don't have a Stanford degree. If Chuck is having trouble finding a job, it'll be that much harder for Morgan. Basically, Morgan asks Chuck to check his fucking privilege. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but how what something that i was wondering about in this episode do, chuck didn't actually graduate from stanford because he Well, got he has the degree now
0: like they keep saying that he has a stanford degree so i don't know if he like publicized the fact that like oh. they finished it for him like the cia
1: well you know wasn't it that in the first season that they they justify chuck's weird yeah. behavior by saying he was taking like online classes oh, right, right, or something right, yes
0: okay, okay so that's right. yeah so he does okay have a i'll back degree. down i'll back yeah, down back the fuck off chris <laughs> so,
1: i need to back the fuck off and yeah. chuck needs to check his fucking privilege yes,
0: exactly chuck chuck backs the fuck off um right <laughs> as he's called in for his interview at this point i noticed a sign in the background that i just wanted to highlight where it says um nerds are waiting to provide their services so i wanted <laughs> to ask you what do you think a nerd service is
1: um I don't know, could be similar to what I had to help you with before we started recording and helping you turn your web camera on.
0: Maybe they could be teaching you how to play Magic the Gathering. That could be fun. Maybe. They could be Maybe teaching could you. Be I mean, nerds really, like, as we've discussed before, like, nerd culture is really, like, real, like, general kind of culture now. Mm. So they could be teaching you really anything.
1: It's true. They, they could be teaching us. you cool
0: stuff. They could be sports nerds.
1: Oh, yeah. True. So, OK, I don't know why sports are cool, but sure, yep. go for it.
0: So um, I have the costless guys at this point in my notes. I start referring to them as the costless guys. But I, I will amend myself to say Nell ask Chuck what prompted him to work at the Bymore. And Chuck says he likes getting to work with his best friend every day, which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. He's inspired to tell them that Morgan is a much better employee than Chuck is. And that if any changes are going to be made to the store, Morgan is the cream of the crop and should be kept on. It's really, like, it's a very nice moment of loyalty from Chuck.
1: Whenever you say Nell, I'm picturing them both being, like, in a really big two-person suit, like they're (laughs) wearing the same clothes, and it's like a two-headed suit thing. Yeah,
0: it's cool, just like in (laughs) Stuck on You. Sure,
1: you are really stuck on Stuck on You.
0: (laughs) At the hotel, Casey traces a call from a ring phone saying that their target is wearing a white bathing suit. Sarah goes out onto her balcony with binoculars and scans the pool area where she sees Devin, who's wearing... He's wearing a purple bathing suit. Like, it's definitely not white, but I guess that they assume that Devin is the ring's target now. That's, that seems to be what's going on. Once Chuck leaves the interview room, Nell gather, and we learn that they're actually ring agents trying to infiltrate Shaw's base. They know Chuck is probably Agent Carmichael, but they're not sure if any of the other employees are spies as well. As Lester listens in with some type of spy equipment, probably from the spy shop somewhere in the Biomar Plaza, Nell says to keep Chuck and his best friend Morgan alive and terminate the rest of the employees. Lester scatters. And I think this is cool. This is really an example of, like, the power of the English language because, like, terminate means to, like, kill but also means to fire. So I think that's, like, there's a little bit of irony going on. It's just really, Mm -hmm. like, impressive. Like, language is so cool.
1: Yeah, it's clever. I mean, he... Uh, Lester heard something that he like. he's concerned that they're going to get fired, but mm-hmm. what he heard also mean, like means that he's going to get killed, and he yeah. doesn't know that. So yeah. he should be even more concerned than he already is. Yes, he
0: should. Chuck hangs out in Castle looking at pictures of bad guys and trying to flash, and meanwhile, Casey breaks into the ring agent's hotel room, and Sarah and Shaw go down to the pool to grab Devin. At, I just read the pool... I, I just read the word pool, and I am feeling a little hot right now because I was concerned about turning on a fan... Because of the sound that it might make, so uh, a pool sounds very nice.
1: Can you imagine what it must have been? Such a a good day of work for Ryan McPartland and Sarah. I know, Lancaster, yeah. They just get like, to hey, like today, drink, like yeah. Just you're gonna sit by the pool and drink, and yeah, we'll uh, videotape you, and that's that's about it. I assume I they're not jealous. drinking
0: like real alcohol, but like whatever it is, it's probably. I it hope they were. You know what? Yeah, I yeah, hope so looked, too.
1: It looked pretty good.
0: So as Sarah and Shaw approach Devin, he gets up, um, to get him and Ellie more pina coladas. Yum. And he walks through the pool area just, just chatting to people. He's just like, he sees some strangers and he's like, hey, how's the water temperature? He's, he's just so <laughs> laid back. He's very chill. We also see that Ellie is reading a magazine called Classic Traveler, which has a lion on the front. She's really into this magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah and Shaw grab Devin. He's alarmed, understandably, saying he just reclaimed his awesomeness. Sarah and Shaw explain the situation, and Devin asks if he and Ellie are in danger. Shaw says he doesn't know.
1: Back at the Buy More, Morgan and Jeff are on the sales floor watching on as the undercover ring agents disguised as facilities inspectors examine everything uh, around the store looking for the entrance to Castle. Morgan notes that they've been doing a really thorough job. They're even looking in the lockers. This causes Jeff's eyes to bulge. At this moment, <laughs> Neil calls Jeff into the office and Jeff freaks out because he's got some kind of contraband in his locker. He asks Morgan for help to get rid of it before the inspectors find it. And Morgan reluctantly agrees and takes Jeff's locker key. At the resort, Casey reaches the room that the ring operative is allegedly staying in. He makes a very subtle entrance by throwing in a flash grenade into the (laughs) hotel room and entering with his gun drawn. As he enters the room and the light begins to return to normal, Casey realizes that he fell for a setup. There's no ring operative in the room, just a ring phone (gasps) that's been planted to give off a signal. Down by the pool, Devin asks Sarah and Shaw if he and Ellie should leave since they might be in danger, and Sarah and Shaw agree until Shaw receives an email from Casey on his BlackBerry that says that the mission was a setup and that they need to abort. Sarah and Shaw then turn around and tell Devin that he's totally fine and that he shouldn't leave his little mini-vacation, which gives Devin a bit of whiplash. He looks at Ellie and mutters to himself, We've got to get away from this. (laughs) In the Buy More break room, Morgan enters Jeff's locker, which is adorned with bikini models and a photo from Jeff's uh, missile command days in the 80s. Morgan finds a large glass bottle of some kind of chemical, some kind of chloroform i guess i'm I'm not sure exactly what it was but then uh, i'm glad
0: you're not an expert on chloroform
1: morgan hears some of the inspectors coming in so he decides to hide on top on top of the vending machines
0: yeah i don't know how he got up there he's a pretty agile guy
1: he's a squirrely little man he could have just put the bottle back in the locker and acted like everything was normal but climbing on top of the vending machines i guess is just as easy yeah right because he would have the he thinks that they're inspectors of some kind. So yeah. if he was just at a locker and he'd be like, hey, how's it going? and Just play yeah. it off as normal. But yeah, he doesn't do that.
0: I mean, my question here was how come some of the lockers are decorated and others aren't like they're decorated like on the outside. I don't know why that's allowed. Like because it seems like either Chuck or Morgan has a decorated locker because there was one that has like Comic-Con stickers on it. And then Jeffs mm-hmm. has like bikini models on the outside. So that was my question. But your question is like pretty much better. Let's just go with that.
1: The inspectors use a thermal vision camera to scan the lockers and eventually find the secret the secret passageway hidden behind them. The inspectors call Dell and Neil to tell them that they found the entrance and Morgan watches on in amazement as the inspectors hack into the secret door and open the path to Castle. <gasps> the ring agents head into Castle and Morgan hops down and watches as the locker door starts to swing shut. So he tries to prop it open, but he can't because it's heavy. So he ultimately decides to sneak into Castle as well. Upon entering the secret passageway, Morgan's mind is blown. He doesn't really know what to do or where to go, so he decides to follow the ring agents down the hall.
0: I thought this was so cute. Like, it was it was kind of, like, edited cool because it kind of, like, cut. Mm-hmm. Like, it did the thing where it was, like, he was somewhere and then he was, like, a little bit farther. Like, it was, I don't know, it was kind of cute. Like, Morgan, Morgan is good in this episode.
1: Yes, it was very exciting to see yeah. him learning this because it's, like, yeah. you kind of get to see it through his eyes. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, because yeah, we're like crazy.
0: desensitized to all of this stuff now, just like Chuck mm-hmm. is. But like Morgan is like it's all fresh to him.
1: Yes. It was like uh, seeing a, a child on Christmas morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: seeing the joy in their eyes. <laughs> uh, Chuck apparently done studying his flashcards, which I really enjoyed. I liked when he was studying the flashcards. Yeah, I like that, too. That's
0: cool. We don't see moments like that.
1: The power of the English language. Once again, flashcards, flashcards. Ah. Yeah. He returns to the Bymore to find Big Mike, Jeff, and Lester standing at the service desk. They're all flustered. Chuck asks them, what's the matter? And Lester plays a recording he got of Dell and Neil talking in Big Mike's office, saying that they're going to hold on to Chuck and Morgan and terminate everyone else. Big Mike, Jeff, and Lester are upset that they're going to be laid off, but something about this strikes Chuck as odd, and he asks where Morgan is. I can tell you, Chuck, Morgan is currently sneaking around Castle and eventually finds Neil, Dell, and the ring agents who have made their way to Castle's central meeting space beneath the Orange Orange. Morgan overhears as Neil and Dell talk about how clever it was to put a CIA base underneath an electronics store and how big of a blow they can take to the CIA by destroying all of the intel in it.
0: Hold on, can I interrupt you for one second?
1: Yes, you can. This is something
0: I definitely noticed in the episode, but I also remember noticing in the table read. Mm -hmm. Why why is it clever that they put a CIA base under an electronics store? Because no no one would
1: think to look there.
0: I mean, I guess, but like... Why specifically an electronics store?
1: I guess if you think about it, it's underneath Orange Orange and it's underneath the Buy More. So the whole complex of Castle is underneath yeah. the parking lot. So it's really underneath a shopping plaza.
0: Yeah, which I is mean, a like
1: a good place to hide it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good place to hide it. I don't really know. Like, I guess the point of like secret government bases is like, I don't know where they are. Yeah, it just I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that he chose to point it out that it was clever to put it there.
1: I think they were just they didn't think to look there. I think it's a good hiding spot. If you disagree, maybe you can be the the government's real estate agent or whoever all right, I'll work on makes that. those choices. That's a good idea. It <laughs> might be a good career path for you. Uh, Dell instructs his agents to wipe all of the CIA's data that they have about the ring and then demolish the base. Morgan overhears all of this and realizes that Neil and Dell aren't just bad guys in the eyes of the Bymore staff, but they're bad guys in the eyes of our nation.
0: I thought you were going to say the eyes of our lord.
1: And the eyes of our lord. They probably are. <laughs> Back at the resort, Casey shows Sarah and Shaw the fake ring room that he broke into. They try to figure out why the ring would lure them to that resort, and Shaw suggests that it wasn't what the ring was luring them to, but what the ring was luring them from. <gasps> Shaw immediately realizes that the ring knows that Shaw is alive and went after his base of operations. This is pretty self-centered, Shaw. You it's <laughs> it's not just your base of operations. It's it's it was Chuck, Sarah and Casey's before years.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh They weren't after Devin, after all, they were after Castle. Sarah is immediately concerned because she thinks that Chuck is sitting alone in Castle, unable to flash. Fortunately, this is the one day that Chuck seems to want to spend time at the Bymore. We see Chuck walking down the back hallway of the Bymore. When Morgan runs up to him and tells him that he needs to tell him something, turns out there's a secret underground CIA base beneath the Bymore. Chuck is at an immense loss for words here, and Morgan insists that he knows it sounds crazy, but Chuck has to believe him. Morgan then tells him that Neil and Dell aren't looking to buy the store. They're bad guys from an organization called The Ring, which Morgan admits doesn't sound that scary, but actually is. Chuck asks Morgan how he knows all this, and Morgan says that he snuck into the secret passageway behind the lockers and followed them underground. Chuck starts to have a mental breakdown in the way that you would (laughs) if you were witnessing the worst possible version of a scenario that you've been trying to prevent for almost three years. Morgan, sensing that Chuck is spiraling, tells him, don't freak out.
0: That's great. That's the catchphrase of Chuck. Yes,
1: yes, that's right. You're learning, Aaron. You're learning. (laughs) Uh, I felt like Zachary Levi's acting and I guess also Joshua Gomez's acting in this scene was really good because yeah. you could tell how panicked and concerned that Chuck is while also trying to play it cool to Morgan.
0: My note on this scene is Zachary Levi is really good in this scene. So I think we're really on the good. same page.
1: Yes, he's he was great. I think he did a good job in the tale yeah. of reading, too, but
0: yeah.
1: all around great actor. As this is happening, Sarah, Sean, Casey hurry back into the spy van so they can rush to the buy more. They try calling Chuck, but they can't reach him because the phone lines are down. Meanwhile, Chuck tries making a phone call, but he, he can't because he doesn't have any cell service. And Morgan says that they uh, that makes sense because the ring said that they were going to cut off all communication to and from the store. Chuck says that they need to evacuate the store, but Morgan declares that they need to confront the ring themselves. They can't let the ring blow up the CIA base or the buy more. Chuck tells Morgan that life isn't a video game and they could actually get hurt but Morgan is unperturbed and says that if Chuck doesn't want to help him, he'll see if Jeff and Lester do. Chuck then agrees to help Morgan with the understanding that they'll evacuate the store first and that they'll keep the CIA base a secret between the two of them. Chuck and Morgan then head to the sales floor to evacuate the buy more staff only to find that the Bymore staff has barricaded the front door shut by creating a pile of merchandise. <laughs> They've just like found everything in the store and put yeah. it in a big pile. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Turns out the staff has decided to protest losing their jobs by putting the store in lockdown Chuck is very concerned about this, even though there is at least one fire escape that we know of in the back of the <laughs> store at, in the loading bay that they could use to evacuate the store in an emergency. But that's neither here nor there. Chuck tries to persuade Big Mike to call off the lockdown, but the staff is not having it. Someone found Emmett's Bimoria flag somewhere and brings it out on a flagpole. And Big Mike and the team plant the flag into the pile of merchandise in a way that, as they said during the, the virtual table read, was intended to parody the Iwo Jima memorial. Is that funny? Disrespectful? You be the judge. <laughs> I like to think that I have a pretty good sense of humor. And then I thought it was funny during the table read, but then watching it, I'm like, I don't know. This is <laughs> this is kind of tasteless, I think. Maybe. I don't know.
0: It's it's hard to say.
1: Too soon to be making Iwo Jima jokes?
0: Right, right in. Let us know what you think. <laughs>
1: Chuck evidently deciding that his co-workers lives no longer have any worth <laughs> gives up on trying to <laughs> evacuate them and heads back into the halls of the store to contact Sarah over his watch. But the communications are still spotty. He eventually gets through and tells Sarah, Shaw and Casey what's going on and they tell him that they're on their way and to sit tight. At this point, Morgan, ready for battle with two electric carving knives, approaches Chuck and hands him a walkie talkie and a can of mace. Chuck tries to convince Morgan to call off the attack, but Morgan is amped up on patriotism and adrenaline and won't hear it. Chuck tells Morgan that he doesn't understand the severity of the situation, but then Morgan says that Chuck's the one who doesn't understand. Morgan's been a loser his entire life, and now is his chance to be a hero. As he says this, he storms into the break room where the ring agents are waiting for him, guns drawn, uh, Guns drawn, stopping Morgan and Chuck in their tracks. Cut to Morgan and Chuck being tied together in the center of Castle's combat training room. Dell tells Agent Carmichael that he's all alone, and Morgan asks who Agent Carmichael is as Dell sharpens a large razor. Morgan insists that he and Chuck don't know an Agent Carmichael and that Dell must be crazy for thinking that Chuck is a secret agent. Chuck doesn't really know what to do in this situation, but Dell continues to press him for Shaw's secret files, which apparently the ring can't find in Castle's computer system. Dell holds the razor close to Chuck's face, and Chuck says that even if he was a secret agent, he would have been trained to resist torture. And Dell says that's why he's going to torture Morgan instead, who Chuck foolishly revealed was his best friend. Oh, no. Dell puts the razor to Morgan's face and Morgan cries out that he's known Chuck since they were six and that Chuck is most definitely not a spy. Del presses the knife closer to Morgan's nose. I think he's going to cut off Morgan's nose. Is oh, I that thought Mo- he was going
0: to cut out his eye.
1: Oh, he's going to cut out his eye. That he's makes doing one sense. of those things. Maybe he's going to do both. Chuck tells Morgan the truth about his work with the CIA and NSA and reveals to Morgan that he's a spy with the codename Agent Carmichael. Morgan is astounded. As this is happening, Sarah and Shaw try to get into Castle through the orange orange, but the ring has locked them out. Casey, meanwhile, heads to the Bymore and attempts to walk in through the front door, but finds the door barricaded. He reaches for his actual gun behind his back, (laughs) but the Bymore staff starts to shoot him with Nerf guns. Once the Nerf fire stops, Big Mike, Jeff and Lester explain to him that they're staging a revolution and Casey says that he wants in. Lester asks Casey how they know they can trust him. And Casey says that, quote, the only thing that I hate more than hippie neoliberal fascist anarchists are the hypocrite fat cat suits they grow up to become, end quote. I don't know if Adam Baldwin knew the camera was rolling when he said this. I feel like he was just (laughs) speaking from the heart and they captured it on film and edited it into the episode. Anyhow, this is a good enough answer for Big Mike and the team. So they decide to let Casey in. Back in Castle, Morgan is struggling to process the fact that Chuck is a spy. Dell has been pretty patient up to this point, but finally lashes out and puts the razor to Morgan's nose and or eye and asks where Shaw's files are. At this point, one of the uh, facilities inspectors slash ring agents enters and says that Sarah and Shaw are trying to break in. Morgan realizes that Sarah and Casey are spies, too. Del decides to go deal with Shaw and Sarah and leaves Chuck and Morgan to catch up. Morgan has a hard time understanding why Chuck's kept the secret from him. Chuck opens up and says that he's wanted to tell Morgan this whole time. And he's felt terrible sneaking around behind Morgan's back, but he needed to do what he could to protect Morgan. Morgan is just flabbergasted by this and eventually says, my best friend is a spy. This is unbelievable. This is the best news I've ever heard. (laughs) Morgan is relieved that Chuck is a spy and not a jerk. Morgan has a bunch of questions and wants to know everything, but Chuck is reluctant to share anymore. But then Morgan reminds him that they don't have much time because they both are probably about to die. So Chuck decides to go for it and says, this all started about two and a half years ago when I received an email from Bryce Larkin. And That's nice. I was thinking, I was thinking this moment that I'd like to think that if you and I were in a situation where we were stranded together and death was imminent, that you would recall the story of Chuck's seasons one and two to to soothe me, to distract me from our death. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, it was nice. As Chuck begins to talk, we hear the opening chords of Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> Is a song playing in the background? Can the characters not hear it? Nope. It's the beginning of a Jeffster performance, which you'll either <laughs> find to be good news or bad news, depending on your preference for Jeffster.
0: I thought Great news.
1: You and the Bymore employees alike because they are all partying and rocking out to the Jeff show. They are. Big Mike is standing there drinking, was it a beer? <laughs> Did you notice or was it? <laughs> no, a I coffee? didn't notice. It looked like a beer. I felt like he was just standing there drinking a, a Good single for him. beer. I was like, yeah. Um, as Jester perform, we see B roll of the Buy More employees posing with their various nerf guns while Casey gets actual spy equipment out of his ByMore locker.
0: I thought this sequence was incredible. It was, it was cool because they were kind of like they were like cocking the nerf guns. Is that the right term? Um, mm-hmm. And like in sync to the music. It was really cool.
1: I'm glad you liked it.
0: I did. And I think anyone who doesn't is crazy and is on thin ice for being fired as my best friend.
1: <laughs> well, that is unfortunate for anyone who did not like the sequence. You are
0: not, in this case, a fortunate son. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm going to text your dad about Curb Your Enthusiasm. All right, maybe, do that
0: uh, while I'm talking. <laughs> so down in Castle. Uh, Hello,
1: Aaron's dad. Do you like Larry David's show? I like Larry David's show.
0: He loves it. He was the whole time I was visiting them in Arizona. He was just watching it. He wouldn't even talk to me. He was like, I got to I got to see Larry. Larry is my <laughs> my real child. Anyway, so down in Castle, um, now, which, whichever one is the leader. Um, asks what all the commotion is, and ne- de- ne- Neil and Ordell says that the Bimmer employees are staging a protest. Neil and Ordell says, "Ah, so that's the sound of liberty," without really acknowledging this. The other guy says that he found what they're looking for and uploaded it to headquarters. It's another disc, or maybe it's the same disc from before. I don't know. There's a lot of discs in this show, but it's like a mini disc has information on it. Mm-hmm. He also says that Casey has arrived and is trying to break in. The bad guys are ordered to kill Casey. Once they come out into the store, Casey starts fighting them, and it seems like he's going to lose until Jeff stumbles in with his bottle of whatever. One of the bad guys is distracted, and Casey knocks him out. Then Jeff takes out the other one with his rag and his chloroform, saying, Fight the power. Then he leaves. Casey retrieves his gun and continues trying to get into Castle. Shaw's about to initiate Castle's self-destruct protocol to keep the ring from getting every piece of information they have, but Sarah pleads with him to give Chuck five more minutes. He reluctantly agrees. Meanwhile, in the dojo, where they're tied up together, Morgan tells Chuck how sorry he is that Chuck had to pretend to be dating Sarah when he so obviously loves her. It's actually, I thought that was a really sweet moment for Morgan. Yeah. Chuck says that he and Sarah are over, but Morgan says he can tell that's not true, and Chuck eventually admits that he does still love Sarah. He begins sort of like cry laughing and says how good it feels to have gotten all this off his chest. Right then, the bad guys come in to kill Chuck and Morgan, but Chuck is rejuvenated by talk therapy, and he flashes. He beats the shit out of everybody. (laughs) Morgan throws a weapon to Chuck, which is nice. Morgan contributes a little. As Chuck is about to fight the lead bad guy who has an actual sword, Morgan whacks him with a big wooden pole, and he passes out. Morgan is super impressed with Chuck's skills and says again, That's my best friend. Casey returns to the orange-orange and says he wasn't able to get into Castle. Shaw's about to call in the self-destruct for real when the door to Castle opens and a bunch of mist comes out. I don't know why mist is always coming out of Castle. Is it because it's it's in a refrigerator? Yeah, Yeah, but that's still like, I don't know why there's so much mist in there.
1: (laughs) It's a cold room.
0: Yeah. There's a delightful scene where Morgan walks out, like, very cool, and he says, Bag him and tag him, Agent Walker. And I, like, this was genuinely very funny.
1: Sarah, Casey, and Shaw are all like, what the yeah. fuck?
0: It's priceless. <laughs> and there's like, there's a good like minute, and then Chuck runs out behind Morgan. I don't know what he was doing in there, but he runs out behind him, and everyone is shocked. hmm When we come back from commercial, I, I mean, there weren't really commercials when I was watching it, but there, there was probably a commercial here at some point. Morgan is locked in a castle cell while Shaw tells Chuck that they'll be putting Morgan into witness protection program ASAP. Chuck protests and says that his rekindled honest friendship with Morgan is the reason he's flashing again, so he needs Morgan to stay right where he is. Sarah agrees. Continuing the theme of the episode and his character, Shaw reluctantly agrees. He lets Morgan out of the cell. In the buy more, Big Mike answers a call from corporate who says he put on an impressive display of loyalty and he and all the other employees will be rehired and the store will remain as it is. We pan out to reveal that Shaw is actually the one calling because, like, the Buy More wasn't actually for sale, so I guess he assumed that Big Mike would have been confused about what was going on. So Shrubby hires Big Mike, and it's nice. Big Mike and everyone else celebrate, complete with some kissing. There was there was some kissing. <laughs> these these fools are always making out.
1: Well, that was that like an homage to the uh, that famous photo, yeah, of like a I World figured. War II celebration, yeah,
0: probably. So Chuck and Morgan return to their apartment with Subway, which sounds really good right now. As they're about to enter, Devin approaches Chuck from across the courtyard. Chuck sends Morgan in to talk to Devin privately. Chuck says he's doing everything he can to keep Devin safe, and Devin puts on a brave face, but he's obviously really scared. He goes back in to Ellie, who is still reading Classic Traveler. I, I guess she didn't finish it at the pool. Um, <laughs> he says that they need to get away. He suggests they do Doctors Without Borders in Africa. Ellie says they can't leave because she can't leave Chuck alone in L.A., but Devin makes a solid argument about their family. We get a few final wrap-up scenes now. Morgan is scandalized and impressed that Chuck flashed while playing Duck Hunt in order to get a perfect score. Shaw is alarmed that the ring didn't kill him when they had the chance at the hotel. And Casey picks up a call from a ring phone and the person on the other end says, Hello, Colonel Casey. It's been a while. Oh, shit. That's the end. That is Chuck versus the Beard.
1: I think this episode is called Chuck vs. the Beard because you got Morgan's beard and then Morgan refers to Sarah as Chuck's beard. In a, in reference to the the colloquialism for a fake relationship.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's.
1: Those are two I think, beards, can right? Can we come
0: up with like a new word for that? Like, like for fake dating? Because I feel like I don't, I can't say exactly why beard feels like wrong, but mm-hmm. it fe- it doesn't feel doesn't feel accurate, and it doesn't really feel like politically correct. So right here, right now, let's figure out another term for this.
1: Um.
0: Do you? How about like kumquat or something?
1: <laughs> that sounds worse. I think. <laughs> I was gonna say false mustache.
0: Okay, but I think we're we're still going with like facial hair. Okay. We I think we need something that's like more like just neutral, like unrelated. Like, I'm just looking around the room. Like, well, it's
1: something that you do to give a false appearance.
0: Oh, well, okay. Um, like. Sun sunglasses. Um, sunglasses. Wig? How about wig?
1: A wig? Yeah. You, think, you feel like a wig is better than beard?
0: Well, I feel like there's only a few like,
1: inches difference between a beard and a wig.
0: Well, OK, so the way that I am interpreting the phrase beard is that mm-hmm. it is making someone who is not masculine in some way appear more masculine. OK, so yeah. it's so. yeah.
1: Yes, I agree. It doesn't sound like it's politically correct.
0: Yeah. So um, we're going to go with kumquat. There we go.
1: Okay, fine. I guess I'm overruled. <laughs> uh, I want to blow up the buy more base, and Erin does not, and she yeah. she wins.
0: So speaking of things that we want to blow up and or not blow up, Chuck, marry, kill?
1: Okay. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: Okay. So this is uh, a segment that we do where we pick one thing that we really like, which is the thing we want to marry, and one thing that we want to get rid of, which is the thing we want to kill. So, I guess, since I'm leading the way here, I'm leading the charge, I will go first with my Mary. Um, I really liked Morgan when he was exiting castle. Like, I thought that scene was, as I said, delightful. It's mm-hmm. very funny to see, like, Shaw, Casey, and Sarah, like, absolutely flabbergasted. And also, like, Joshua Gomez plays it really well. So, yeah, that's it my Mary. Definitely.
1: It was and very funny. I
0: believe this is the first time that I've married anything Morgan did, so it's all the more special.
1: It's a very special wedding <laughs> here. Go we're a beautiful yourself. couple. You are a beautiful couple. <laughs> uh, my Mary. I appreciate the ending scene where they're playing duck hunt. Uh, I thought it was nice to see Chuck being able to be his true self while mm-hmm. still being true to himself. Yeah. And his relationship with Morgan. I it was really like,
0: cute.
1: Yeah, it was nice. And you could see that they were relieved. And yeah. I thought it was felt like it was authentic. I felt like their whole relationship throughout this was pretty authentic yeah. feeling and seeming. Uh, I'm also intrigued by the meatball marinara footlong with Yeah, jalapenos. that sounds good. It would absolutely destroy my intestines, yeah. as we learned. Well, during... everything does. Yeah, everything does. Subways did, in, or the Subway sandwich did in that previous episode, but I just, uh, I don't have a lot of flavor in my life, and it sounds like that <laughs> sandwich would be bursting with flavors that I cannot eat. So I was feeling like this was a good scene, which I was yeah. hanging out with them.
0: Do you think he actually was flashing in order to get his perfect score? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I we don't see,
0: like, the practical applications. Like, I feel like there are things that he could do in his everyday life. Mm-hmm. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, if you had that ability, you would use that when you're hanging out with your friend.
0: Exactly. And it's not cheating. That's it's fine. You use the talent that you're given and it's not cheating, Chris. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so my kill, Um, I feel like. The, the ring's plan here, like, especially as it pertains to De- to Devin, just felt, like, a little bit, like, I, I didn't completely understand, like, because they clearly say white bathing suit and Devin's not wearing a white bathing suit. So that's like confusing. Like, were they actually referring to Devin or was it just complete coincidence? Mm -hmm. If they do, if they did know where Devin was, like, were they kind of implying that he's still like under threat or is he not? Like, I, I understand why Devin is so concerned because like, I don't really understand if he's still in danger or not. Um, I thought that they didn't know who he was. So was it just like completely coincidental or was it not? And, I don't think that that was clear enough, like whether it's like a writing issue or like scenes were cut or whatever. Like, I think that I understood like the point of this is that like Sean, Sarah and Casey were lured away and then they realized and then they went back and like it's all exciting and everything. But like what was actually going on at that hotel? I'm not really sure.
1: That's valid. Mike kill also has to deal with the the rings plan and. I don't know if it's if I should bring blame the ring or if this is actually like a writing issue. <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of both, too. But I just can't get over it. It kind of came up in my mind when we we're watching the table read where I was like, that's kind of odd. And then watching this episode back, I was like, yeah, this really doesn't make any sense. And then after I watched this episode and I was just going about my day, I was like, I can't forget about this thing. <laughs> I was just like, it just doesn't make any sense. All right. Tell me. But, so if the ring, if if Nell, if Dell and Neil Neil and Dale Nell are going undercover to try to gain like gain access to the buy more. Why wouldn't they just pose as like members of buy more corporate? Why were they pretending to be buyers of the store? And maybe I'm just burdened with the knowledge of how this would actually happen in real life. And it was nothing like this, but it just seemed it. They're saying that they're going to buy the store. Big Mike has no knowledge. Like there's no one from corporate who's like, hey, we're looking to get rid of the store. We're going to change something. Big Mike is it's like these two strangers basically walking in and say, we're going to buy just this location. Or are they trying to buy, buy more as a company? No, they're just trying to buy this one particular store. Are they trying to buy the physical space? No, they're trying to also buy the, the structure of the store. Cause they're going to fire everyone and not fire people. And then
0: it's a new how, franchise.
1: How would you buy a single store <laughs> without would that has you can't it, you it it just doesn't make any sense A buy more corporate is probably leasing this retail space from a landlord of some sort so two strangers could not come in and decide to put cash down to suddenly buy the space and buy control of the store from buy more corporate it's just not realistic at all and maybe it's a testament to how clueless Big Mike and Jeff and Lester and the rest of the buy more is that they don't think that there's anything weird about this but I feel like those issues would have just been resolved if it was like hey, we're from Buy More Corporate, we're thinking about doing layoffs, we're potentially considering, like, closing the store because it's not making enough money, this is, we're going to be auditing the store and doing, like, inspections. I feel like that would have just made so much more sense, but instead they did this whole cost-less thing, which didn't make any sense to me at all.
0: Yeah, I wonder, like, if there's a reason for that or if, like, they just, like, I don't know. I don't know why they did that, because what you're describing sounds like it would also be easier. Like, even if they didn't have to make, like, they wouldn't have to make the cost less labels. Like they right. could just wear been like so existing easy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why so they did that. We'll have to um we'll have to ask uh the creators when they're inevitably on go chug yourself with us.
1: <laughs> hey, I mean at this point I I don't know anything could happen. Uh but I will say I do think that the actors, I think Deirdre Bader and Cedric Yarbrough did a very good job. Yeah, they were kind great. of like two. They were great right in the table
0: read too. Yeah. It just was kind, it of, kind of it kind of felt like like I don't see them as much as I see like the regular cast of Chuck. So like having seen them last week at the table read when I saw them on screen, I was like, that's my friends. And then mm-hmm. like it, it was just a nice feeling.
1: I feel like I think they both have like experience in I think they come from like comedic backgrounds, both uh-huh. of them. But I felt like they did a good job of being scary, too. And yeah, had to make I that agree. Term. They were fun. So that's my rant about uh, retail. It's a good rant.
0: I think that you make a really strong point.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. We're also going to be making strong points here as we move into the scooter scale, where we we rank this episode or rate this episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs. Aaron, what are what are your thoughts?
0: Um, I know that we've said this a couple times. This is a this is a good episode. Like, I'm mm. glad they paid you for the table read. I'm glad that it happened. I think the implications of Morgan knowing about Chuck's spy life are really good. Um I think that I'm like I'm happy that Chuck has an outlet now. Like that was obviously stressful for him. It was stressful for me watching. I think this was fun. There were a lot of like fun sequences. I personally liked the Jeff sequence. I know that some people maybe didn't, but I thought that was fun. Um and these these kind of like complaints about the ring aside, like I think it was a really solid episode so i'm gonna go ahead and give it a 4.5
1: nice i think i don't know it's hard to i'm going to put out my two options here and then maybe by the end of my thing you can help me identify which i should go with but i can't tell if i should do a four or 4.5 okay because i feel like had we not just watched the table reading Uh i would give it a Uh
0: 4.5
1: but i think i enjoyed This episode more during the table read because it was where we were in our watch, our watch. Uh So it lined up and I felt like I had the more of a emotional connection with the episode during the table read because it was my first exposure to it. Uh So then watching this actual episode was less of a revelation. With that said, though, I think it is a really good episode. I really like I said, I think like Chuck and Morgan's friendship is authentic and there. I really was glad that they had a lot of time to. To showcase their friendship and to progress their relationship i suppose Mm -hmm. um and i really like how as a plot point chuck is now able to confide in morgan in his personal life and how that actually translated into benefiting the spy stuff because he it's like he needed to take care of this personal obstacle in order to solve this problem in his professional life so i really appreciated that and uh i think morgan was a good combination of being mature at points, but also kind of silly in this episode. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that's not I a just, balance that he has walked in previous seasons. And I think it's cool to see him that way.
1: Yeah, he was a lot more emotionally mature. And yeah. I just feel like, yeah, you, it's just like, how can you not be excited to watch the next episode when you when you know that Morgan now knows the truth about Chuck? But yeah, so I don't know. What do sounds you think? like you're
0: you, leaning towards 4.5.
1: 4.5? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'll give it 4.5 then as well. Uh, so point five. Four, four and a half. So that is a total of, of nine, nine corn dogs. Nine corn
0: dogs. Sounds Delicious. like, uh, yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs>
1: sounds really good. Uh,
0: <laughs> you can tell we're both hungry.
1: Anything, anything else you'd like to say about Chuck versus the beard?
0: Um, I think, yeah, good, good episode. I'm excited episode. to see what happens next.
1: I'm excited to watch it again. No, I'm just, I'm. <laughs> yeah, watch it a I'm third good time.
0: That. Watch it a fourth time. We got to, um, we got to see, uh, we got to see where we can't. We can't only watch this episode of Chuck because we need to see where else Jesse Hyman will appear. And actually, Chuck, uh, I was going to call you Chuck. Actually, Chris, I have a surprise for you.
1: Is he going to? Jesse is Hyman your... is an
0: extra in my life. He is here. Oh, behind wow. me. oh my God. Look, he's not hey, going because nope. uh, he doesn't speak um, no speaking in, roles. in roles. but uh, He is here. And Chris will that. vouch for me. He's right. He's standing right behind me. He's he's talking oh, to yeah. a stranger.
1: He's talking to a stranger. He seems to be helping them make a decision about yeah. something to purchase. It yeah. seems the, the customer. Thanks for being like here, Jesse. Well. Yeah, Jesse, it's great to see you. I wish we could you could yeah, have told me ahead of time so we could have gotten you a microphone and could have interviewed you this episode. But, you know, he's in the back up oh, there. Oh, he's walking away. Oh uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. He's I mean, I, I could only pay him for like three seconds
1: Sure, so. I, he's probably got a pretty steep rate from yeah, yeah. all the different experiences. Yeah. yeah,
0: and he's like he's in like six other movies today. So <laughs>
1: yeah, he's, he's got man got to go. go. Sure, yeah, he's got a hard out. Even yeah. though I hate our hard outs, but <laughs> that's fine. That was a nice yeah. treat. Thank you, Aaron, yeah, for you're welcome for supplying that. Yeah, uh, I am glad that we're ready to move on to another episode. I feel like I've. Very thoroughly thought about Chuck versus the beard, and I'm okay to put this aside.
0: <laughs> yep. So
1: with that said, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy.
0: Especially nine corn dogs. Ayo. My name is Aaron Arada, letting you know that anything is possible.
1: Just like a walk-on appearance from Jesse Hyman himself, the, the like, master of movies.
0: Uh, and remember to use kumquat instead of beard from here I, on out.
1: Uh, I maybe I guess that's up. Use your individual discretion. I don't know if I co-signed the the use of the (laughs) the kumquat in that case. But we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to go check yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.